Have you ever really stopped to consider how it is exactly that God changes the world? Have you ever really stopped to consider how it is that God changes nations, changes the world? Generally, when God wants to do something, he chooses an individual or a group of individuals and asks them to obey him or engage in some kind of effort, some kind of activity, some kind of whatever it might be, some kind of work. And it's through individual people who obey God that he actually changes the world. I mean, now God could just kind of speak from heaven uh, these days and just make things happen. But that's not the choice or the plan that God has for the world today. God works through people like us, people like me, people like you, people like Bill Lentz. Bill Lentz was a teenage drug addict and alcoholic. Uh, His life had spiraled to the bottom. He'd never read the Bible before, wasn't a Christian, had not been in church at all. And finally, as a kind of a last resort, he went to a cabin in the north woods of Wisconsin. And the last thing his mother said to him uh, as he left was she handed him this Bible and said, here, read this. It might help. Well, she wasn't a believer and she'd never read it, but she knew Bible. Bill's in trouble. Read this Bible. Well, he was there at the cabin, he opened up the Bible to John chapter 3, and he read about being born again. And he thought, well, that's kind of strange. Never heard that phrase before in his entire life, born again. Well, he read some things in the Bible that seemed to kind of make sense, comfort him a little bit, but he didn't know how to be born again. It just said, you must be born again. That same evening, he turned on the television, hoping to find some kind of sports event, and lo and behold, there was a Billy Graham crusade on. The first thing Billy Graham said as he announced his message was, we're going to talk tonight about how to be born again. And Bill, he was getting up to change the channel right when Billy Graham said that. And he said, you know, as a paranoid druggie, I thought, oh, no, you know, I better not shut this off. He's talking to me. And he sat there, watched the entire program at the end of the program when Billy gave an invitation to accept Christ, he knelt down in front of the TV, he said, and lit a candle because he thought that was spiritual and prayed to be born again and receive Christ. He had no educa- no Bible education, no college education, but immediately got involved in a ministry to street people uh, in Appleton, Wisconsin, and people who were struggling with drugs and alcohol. Over a period of years, people started coming to Christ, and he sensed God telling him, Bill, I want you to start a church for these people. And Bill said, but God... I- I've never preached a sermon in my life. I've not, never taught a lesson in my life. I have no education, no Bible education, nothing. How am I supposed to start a church? And God just kept encouraging to start a church. So that's exactly what he did. They rented for $90 a month a chapel in a cemetery and uh, started inviting people to come to the chapel in the cemetery. And God began to bless and people's lives were changed. And today, what began in that Cemetery Chapel is Christ the Rock Community Church in Appleton, Wisconsin, a church where now over 3,500 people meet every Sunday to worship God and to share their faith with others. An amazing story of God changing lives and people because one person was obedient to do what he was asking him to do, even though to Bill it didn't make any sense. Why would God want to use me? 
Well, as a result of that, Bill married a gal by the name of Janet Lentz. It wasn't Janet Lentz when he married her, but now uh, she's Janet Lentz. And uh, about 10 years ago, Janet, uh, who has no education and, you know, did not go to seminary or anything like that, uh, got an invitation uh, to visit uh, this place in the Sahara Desert where these people have been refugees for 32 years, the Swahari people. They used to live in a nation called West uh, Sahara, but it was invaded by Morocco from the north and Mauritania from the south. And all of those people were forced out into the deserts of Algeria. And for the last 32 years, those people have lived without a country almost totally unknown to the world that these people have been living in tents for the last 32 years as refugees. Janet went there, began to visit, not having any idea why God might want her to go to Sahara Desert to see these people. Over the past 10 years, her and Christ Community Church have become, or uh, Christ the Rock Community Church have become uh, instrumental in ministering and serving these people to the point where after several years of her bringing people over, these radical Muslim people, very, very strong Muslim people, said to her, We've never seen people like you before. We've never met people who love our children and hold our children and interact with us. You eat our food and drink our hundred degree water and you say thank you. And we want to know what's different about you. Well, not knowing anything about the Quran, really, she just said, well, I'm just a person of the book. And lo and behold, that's exactly what the, the Quran uses that phrase, people of the book, and as a result, they said, we've been praying for over 30 years that someone would bring us, that, that uh, Allah would bring us someone that would teach us about the people of the book. We've got questions. To make a long story short, their head imam of this Muslim nation, who's our refugees, invited Janet Lentz to do a workshop. Tell us who the Christ is. We want to know who the Christ is. And now they're doing these workshops in this Muslim country about who the Christ is, all because Janet Lentz um, obeyed God when she didn't have any idea what God wanted her to do. You see, one of the ways that God changes countries, changes people, changes history is through people just like me and you who are willing to be obedient to him, even if it might not make complete and total sense to us. Even if we can't connect all of the dots, we know that God is speaking to us, that he's encouraging us, that he's nudging us somehow, and we obey him. And that's the way that God makes a difference in the world. You know, my guess is that every single one of us seated here this morning wants our life to count for something, don't we? I mean, I don't think there's anyone here that says, boy, I hope I can get all the way through my life and not make any difference whatsoever. I, I hope I don't impact anyone or make a difference in the world. That's not how we live. We all want to make a difference with our lives. We want to impact people. We want to impact people for the better. And as believers, we want to advance the kingdom of God. But the way God does that is through people who are simply willing to obey him. 
We don't have to have extraordinary gifts or talents or abilities or pedigrees or anything like that. We just simply need to be people who are willing to serve and obey God when and where he asks us to. Well, this morning, I want us to look at this very issue in the book of Jonah. I want us to address this issue because I think one of the things that keeps many of us from being used by God and doing significant things for him is I think very often we think to ourselves, what do I have to offer? I can't make a difference. I'm not a public speaker. I'm not a teacher. I'm not a musician. I don't know how to share my faith very well. I'm not an apologist for the faith. How could God possibly use me? And I think sometimes it's that attitude that what could God do with me that prevents us from obeying God and allowing him to use us to make a difference. But this morning, I want us to see that God could use someone like Jonah, someone who'd been totally disobedient to God, someone who was unenthusiastic about the call that God had given him, and yet someone who finally was willing to obey God, and God used him in a significant way. And God can use each and every one of us as well. And I want you to turn this morning to Jonah chapter 3. Jonah chapter 3. This morning we're going to look at verses 4 through 10. I know in your bulletin it says chapter 4, but that was my mistake, not the office's mistake. It's chapter 3. Verses 4 through 10. And let's just uh, pick up the story here and see how God uses Jonah to literally change the course of a nation and history, in fact. Jonah chapter 3, beginning in verse 4. It says, On the day Jonah entered the city, he shouted to the crowds, Forty days from now and Nineveh will be destroyed. The people of Nineveh believed God's message. And from the greatest to the least, they declared a fast and put on burlap to show their sorrow. When the king of Nineveh heard what Jonah was saying, he stepped down from his throne and took off his royal robes. He dressed himself in burlap and sat on a heap of ashes. Then the king and his nobles sent this decree throughout the city. No one. Not even the animals from your herds and flocks may eat or drink anything at all. People and animals alike must wear garments of mourning and everyone must pray earnestly to God. They must turn from their evil ways and stop all their violence. Who can tell? Perhaps even yet God will change his mind and hold back his fierce anger from destroying us. When God saw what they had done, and how they had put a stop to their evil ways, he changed his mind and did not carry out the destruction he had threatened. Now, in these verses, I want us to just see three ways. Three ways that God can use us when we're willing to obey him and follow him, even when it doesn't make perfect sense to us. Even when we have no idea what God might be up to, If we will obey him and follow him, he can use us, uh, at least from this passage, in three very significant ways. And the first way that God can use us is to influence people for Christ, to influence people for eternity. 
Once Jonah finally decided to stop running from God and was finally willing to obey God, even though he didn't agree with what God was doing, even though he didn't want to go to Nineveh and preach so that these people might be able to be saved, he wanted God to wipe them all out. It made no sense to him, but finally he obeyed and he was willing to go to Nineveh and share the message that God had given him. Look at verses four and five again. It says, on the day Jonah entered the city, he shouted to the crowds. Now, I've kind of got an idea here, uh, because Jonah wasn't real enthusiastic, that this was not a kind of a merciful shout. This probably wasn't kind of a cajoling, kind of inviting kind of presentation. I think he was just ticked off and was just shouting out. Forty days and God is going to wipe you folks out. I don't want to be here. I don't like this, but I'm here. And I bet you you could tell it in his tone, the way he was shouting out this message that 40 days from now, Nineveh will be destroyed. And look what happens in verse five. The people of Nineveh believed God's message. And from the greatest to the least, they declared a fast and put on burlap to show their sorrow. Now, this is amazing to me. Here we've got a guy who's unenthusiastic who's just been disobedient to God and is going to this enemy city and shouting out this message to God, to these Ninevites, that God is going to wipe them out if they don't repent. Now, it's interesting because what God uses here to, to change the Ninevites is not Jonah or his incredible gifts or his incredible talent and speaking ability, it's not some slickly polished sermon that Jonah delivers. It's not some very finely tuned argument about why they should obey God and turn from their evil, wicked ways. It's just shouting out to these people in 40 days, God's going to wipe you out. But because Jonah was obedient to do what God wanted to do, God touched the heart of these Ninevites and from the greatest to the least, they recognized their evil ways and they repented in response to this message that Jonah delivered in obedience to God. You see, it's not Jonah's talent or the fact that he's a prophet or anything. It's just simply that he was finally willing to obey God and say what God asked him to say, do what God asked him to do. And God intervened through his obedience and brought this entire city, and in fact, uh, this nation ultimately, to repentance, and God ended up changing his mind. You see, one of the things I think we need to realize as Christians today is God often uses ordinary, in fact, most often uses ordinary people just like us. He just wants people who are willing to obey him and do what he asks us to do. And God will work through our obedience to influence the lives of people for eternity. You know, we might say to ourselves, well, you know what? I don't even know the four spiritual laws. How can I possibly share my faith? I, you know, I get nervous when I'm in front of people. I'm not a good speaker. I don't know how to do this. I can't defend the faith. What if someone asks me a question that I can't answer? And on and on we have all of these excuses Instead of just listening to the voice of God, and if he's asking us to do something, then do it. And God will work through our obedience, not our talent necessarily. Now, talent doesn't hurt. 
knowing that four spiritual laws doesn't hurt. But if God is telling you to do something, you need to do it. And God will work through the obedience that we offer in spite of any talents or gifts that we might lack. You see, if you have a spouse who's not a follower of Christ and you want to see them come to Christ, you don't have to you know, work up any slickly polished testimony. You don't have to develop these tightly argued arguments to prove that God is real and to win them into the kingdom. You don't need to do any of that kind of stuff. You just need to obey God, live a godly life in front of that person day in and day out, love them like Christ loves them. And God, through your obedience, can ultimately win people to Christ. I mean, think about Janet Lentz going to the deserts of the Sahara where she'd never been in her life. She had never been overseas up until that point. No Bible education, no nothing. Goes there and after loving these people like Christ loves them, after a period of years earning their trust, them seeing that God is with you, ends up being able to create these seminars to share who is the Christ, the Messiah, to these Muslims. Amazing that God would do such a thing. And it was just because Janet, this little mousy woman, when she talks, it's almost in a whisper. You can hardly hear her. And yet these Muslim imams, the head imam of these people, has asked her to lead these seminars on who is the Christ, changing the Swahari people and many of them believing in the Christ. You see, God just wants people who are willing to be obedient, even in the little things. And he can use all of us to influence people for eternity, for Christ. I don't know if anyone's ever heard of the great Welsh revival. The great Welsh revival took place in the early years of the 20th century. And it obviously started in Wales. And it started with a group of teenagers. There are a group of teenagers in this small village who wanted to see their church renewed, wanted to see some spiritual fire in their church. It had gotten very just kind of stayed and plateaued. They weren't seeing anybody come to Christ. And so these students got together at what they called Christian Endeavor meetings. It would be kind of like our youth group meetings. And every week they would get together and they prayed for their church and they prayed for their pastor that God would begin to move and stir among the church so that they could reach their village for Christ. Week after week they met and nothing happened. They prayed earnestly that God would move and that the spirit would begin to unleash his power in the community and still nothing happened. This went on for months of these teenagers getting together to pray for revival. Finally, on one night at this, this Christian Endeavor meeting, a young woman, teenage woman, very timid, very shy, didn't like public speaking or anything like that, began to sense during the middle of this prayer meeting that God wanted her to stand up and say something to the group. And she's God, I, you know I don't speak in public. I, I can't talk to this group. I don't know what to say. They'll laugh at me. And she just tried to keep pushing off. And God kept speaking to her. I want you to share. I want you to share. And she put it off and pushed it off until she couldn't any longer. And finally, during that meeting, not knowing what else to say, she just stood up 
And all she could say, kind of led by the Holy Spirit, was, oh, how I do love Jesus. And then she sat down. People who were witnesses at that meeting said after that young woman sat down, the Holy Spirit began to move over that group of people. Many people said it, it was just like what they read about. They read about in Acts chapter two and people began falling on their faces in repentance and crying out to God for forgiveness and all of these things. And this spiritual fire began to move into the church and from the church, it moved into the village and from the village, the entire country of Wales and from Wales, it was exported to the United States and literally thousands and thousands of people were impacted for Christ. Many say because this one young woman was willing to obey God and just stand up and say, oh, how I do love Jesus. And that's all God needed was one teenage girl to be obedient when he spoke to her, even though it made no sense to her. And God unleashed his power as a result of that. And that revival spread all over the world. You see, God doesn't need people with extraordinary gifts and incredible talent and all kinds of Christian heritage or money or any of that stuff. God needs people who are willing to obey him even in the little things, even when it doesn't make sense. When we go, God, what could you possibly want to do by having me do this? You leave that up to God. God just asks us to obey him. When he's nudging us to sit next to someone at lunch, when he's nudging us to go up and, and talk to someone at the office or to give a phone call of encouragement or to write a note to someone, it can be the most simple thing in the world that God can use to open a door to influence someone for eternity and bring them into a relationship with Christ. God can use us to influence people for eternity when we obey him. But there's a second way. That God can use us. And that is God can use us, believe it or not, to actually change the course of a nation. Look again at verses 6 through 9. It says here that when the king of Nineveh heard what Jonah was saying, he stepped down from his throne and took off his royal robes. He dressed himself in burlap and sat on a heap of ashes. Then the king... And his nobles sent this decree throughout the city. Not no one, not even the animals from your herds and flocks may eat or drink anything at all. People and animals alike must wear garments of mourning and everyone must pray earnestly to God. They must turn from their evil ways and stop all their violence. Who can tell? Perhaps even yet God will change his mind and hold back his fierce anger from destroying us. You see, when Jonah finally obeys God, God uses him and this simple message to literally change the course of that nation. Now, remember, the Ninevites, the Assyrians, were the arch enemies of Israel. They hated Israel. They were these violent warriors who, who were known around the, the region for their ferocity. They're the ones that would take their victim's blood and splash it all over their white war dresses so that they would look even more fierce and more gruesome. And they wanted to wipe Israel out. 
And yet, as a result of Jonah's obedience to share this message, not only do the people of the city begin to repent and respond to this message that God sends, but even the king who is headquartered there in Nineveh hears what Jonah is saying and begins to repent himself and takes off his royal robes and sits on a heap of ashes to mourn and says, we all must stop our evil ways. I mean, can you imagine how dramatic that must have been? And that message that edict went out from Nineveh to the rest of Assyria and the entire course of that nation changed. And in fact, history tells us that then Israel had peace with Assyria for over 400 years as a result of that, where they'd been constantly a war as a result of this kind of episode. Everything changed. The entire course of that nation changed, as well as the course of Israel's history. All because one person was willing to obey God, even when it didn't make sense. You know, do you think that a a Sunday school teacher in just a regular church like this could literally change the course, not only of the nation, but of, of the world? Just a Sunday school teacher. We say just a Sunday school teacher, because that's kind of how it's seen in our culture. Oh, you're just a Sunday school teacher. Well, what's that? You know, what do you do? I mean, sit around with little kids or high schoolers kind of babysitting them? Absolutely not. There was a college teacher by the name of Henrietta Mears who taught college group at a first Presbyterian church in Southern California. One day, a a young man came into her Sunday school class and was confused about the word of God. Wanted to know, can, can you really trust the word of God? Is it really God's word to us? Aren't there mistakes in it? And he was really struggling with whether or not he could believe what the Bible said. Well, the Sunday school teacher came alongside him, continued to teach him, disciple him. Then invited him to a retreat at a retreat center in Southern California. And there at the retreat center spent specific time in prayer with him. That God would give him a confidence about the word of God that he could believe it. She came alongside and spent time with him. After that weekend, he left saying, I know that the word of God is true and I can stake my life on it. And several months later, that young boy, Billy Graham, launched the Los Angeles crusade and God has used Billy Graham to literally change the world. And what is Billy's phrase that he always uses? The Bible says the Bible says because of this Sunday school teacher, Henrietta Mears, but it wasn't just Billy Graham that she influenced. She also uh, had another young man from Oklahoma come into her college group and she befriended him and got to know him and taught him Sunday school lessons and came alongside him. And his name was Bill Bright. And Bill Bright went on to create Campus Crusade for Christ and has literally changed the world as a result of that. But that's not all she did. She also discipled and taught a young man by the name of Ted Ingstrom who became the president of World Vision International and has had an influence on the world. But that wasn't all. She also taught a young man fresh home from the army called named uh, Dawson Trotman, who ended up establishing the worldwide ministry of the navigators. One Sunday school teacher who, when she was asked to teach Sunday school the first time, said, 
But I'm a woman. This was back in the 30s and 40s. Women were not supposed to teach men. And she said, what do I have to offer? I shouldn't be doing this. But she sensed God wanted her to, and she began teaching this college group, and God used her literally to change the nation, the world, as a result of these people she invested her life in that God then sent out and used to advance his kingdom. God is simply looking for people who will obey him. And God will take care of the results. We don't have to worry about what's going to happen or will this person come to Christ or will they not come to Christ? Will they reject it? Will they say no? Don't worry about that. God just asks for our faithfulness. He will do the work. But what he needs is people who are willing, people who are willing to obey him. And Jonah, when he finally obeyed, even in spite of his disobedience, even in spite of his lack of enthusiasm, and probably, my guess is, a little bit of fear and trembling, God used him to turn that entire nation around. But there's a third way that God can use us when we're willing to obey him, and that is that God, will, God can use us to influence the way that he deals with people. God can use us to kind of stand in the gap between God's justice and those people who are maybe dragging their feet to receive Christ or, or to deal honestly with God. And God can use us to influence the way he deals with other people. Look what happens here again in verse 10. It says, when God saw that they had what they had done and how they had put a stop to their evil ways, he changed his mind and did not carry out the destruction he had threatened. Because Jonah was willing to do what God asked him to, it's in a sense that Jonah ended up standing in the gap between God's judgment and these evil, sinful people of Nineveh, and it gave them an opportunity to repent. And as a result of how they responded to the message, God didn't do uh, wipe them out like he said he was going to do. God dealt with them differently in mercy and in justice and in grace because Jonah was willing to be faithful and obedient and the people responded to that. Do you realize that God can use us to kind of influence the way he deals with the people that we know? God can use us to stand in the gap, in a sense, and pray that God will hold off on any kind of judgment until that person has an opportunity to respond in a positive way. You know, when I was, I, I've told this story before, when I was in college, I ended up being very, very disobedient and very rebellious towards God. That entire four years, I was just running away from God, and as I shared, ran into the storm of God's discipline. And you know, that entire four years, my mom and dad were constantly on their knees, in their bedroom, praying for me at night. I remember when I would come home from college break and pass their bedroom and go upstairs. I remember a couple times seeing the door open just a sliver and seeing them literally kneeling there, praying for me. Now, they never harassed me. They never came up and pestered me. They never said, oh, you've got to ask forgiveness, Sam. You've got to get right with God. No, they just continually loved me when I came home. Never, ever brought it up. But it just tore me up to know that they were constantly praying for me in tears that God would somehow get a hold of me and wake me up. 
And I really believe that God used my mom and dad to kind of stand in the gap for me before anything serious happened or anything, you know, bad happened to me. Gave me that time to respond to him. And I think God wants to use us in the same way. God will change sometimes the way he deals with people because of us and our prayers and our intercession on their behalf. I mean, is there someone that you really want to see come to Christ? Someone at work or maybe someone in the neighborhood? You know, are we really willing to obey God and to really pray on their behalf that God would be gracious to them, that at some point they would respond to God and his love and his grace that's extended to them? You know, that's what God wants us to do. And we can truly influence how he deals with people as a result of our intercession, our prayers on their behalf. You know, there was a time when the children of Israel, while Moses was up on Sinai getting the Ten Commandments, remember that? And Aaron and the people were down there making a golden calf and beginning to just engage in this pagan worship and and just worshiping this golden calf. And as Moses is coming down, God wants to wipe them off the planet. And Moses says, no, don't, wait. And prays on their behalf and God holds off. And God was gracious. You see, we need to be those kinds of people that are standing in the gap for other people. I remember a time when my, my brother, Mike, who was the artist on the bathroom floor, if you remember. Um, there was another time that he's a pastor now. Got in big, big, serious trouble. And we knew it was serious because the police came to the front door and were asking if this person lived here. And, of course, I ran to the bedroom real quick. It's not me, you know. Um, well, when my dad met with the police and heard what Mike and his friends had done, I mean, my dad, he, he gets this kind of jaw set, you know, and this look in his eyes of uh, hysterical anger, kind of, you know. And you know, this is going to be curtains. And I'll never forget when Mike came downstairs after my dad called him. And my dad, I mean, he looked like he wanted to do damage to certain parts of my brother's body. I mean, he was like, you're in big trouble. And then my mom stepped in. Wait a minute, Stan, don't do it, you know. And my mom was kind of this person of reason and compassion. And, and it really impacted how my dad ended up dealing with Mike. He didn't get the punishment right then and there. He deserved because mom kind of stood in the gap. And I think God can use us in that same way if we'll obey him, if we'll listen to him, if we'll pray for those people he lays on our heart and just spend that time interceding for them. God can use us to literally change the world. I know that sounds so grandiose, but the reality is that's how God has always done it, is by challenging someone and then by through their obedience, God can change Nations, God can influence people for eternity. God will change the way he deals with people because of our obedience. Let me just share three action steps here. The first one is this. I want you to just take some time to imagine, maybe just kind of dream this week, of all that could be accomplished here at Wyzetta Evangelical Free Church. If every one of us just chose to, to listen to God and obey him when he spoke to us. Just do what we sensed him urging us to do, whether it was to serve in the nursery, 
whether it was to teach Sunday school, whether it was to share with a neighbor, whatever it might be, whether it's to drive meals to someone or provide a ride for someone or drive the van. I mean, it could be a whole host of things that God might be nudging us or encouraging us or challenging us to do. And if every single person was just obedient to that little task that God had for us, imagine how it could just change the course of Wyzetta Evangelical Free Church. If each person was just willing to do their part and listen to God and follow him, it could change the, the course of this community. Make it a point this week, number two, make it a point to consider how specifically God might want to use you in this world. Maybe it's through missions. Maybe it's through a short-term mission trip that you've been feeling like God might want you to go on, but you've been putting it off and resisting it because it's inconvenient or it costs too much money, but it always seems like God keeps bringing that back. Maybe that's what you need to do. But begin praying now about how God might want to use you to influence someone for Christ, to be involved in ministry that expands His kingdom in some way. And then secondly, or thirdly, I'd encourage you to do this. Identify one person. Identify just one person or place that God might want to change through you. I mean, is there someone at work? Maybe a neighbor in the neighborhood, a family member. Maybe it's a child of yours who's kind of running from God right now. But identify one person or one place that God might want to change through you. And then ask yourself, what do you need to do to be more useful to God in that situation? How could you be obedient to God in that situation? How could you be more committed or willing to walk through the open doors that he provides in relationship to that person or that place? Just simply commit yourself to be willing to do what God asks you to do. And he can use you in significant ways. You know, Paul Beerhouse shared a little quote with me this morning after he read my sermon. I want to just share it as we close. It's by Margaret Mead. And Margaret Mead says this. Never doubt that a small group of thoughtful, committed people can change the world. Indeed, it is the only thing that ever has. Let's pray together. Father, we pray that you would use each of us. When we talk about changing the world, Father, it sounds so radical, so unrealistic. And yet, Father, that's how you have always changed the world. It's through individuals just like us. People like Peter. People like Moses, who was a stutterer and who had failed miserably before. People like Paul, who was a persecutor of Christians. People like Jonah, who is stiff-necked and disobedient and incredibly selfish. And yet, Father, in each of those cases, when those people simply began to obey you, even when it didn't make sense to them, you worked through their obedience to accomplish your eternal purposes in this world. And, Father, in many cases, all of us who sit here today have been impacted by those people. Father, what we do for you does not have to be great. It doesn't have to be some great task. It can be a simple task done in obedience. And you will use it greatly 
And Father, we pray that that would be true here at Wyzetta Evangelical Free Church as we commit ourselves to be those kinds of people that you can use to change your world. And we ask that you would do it through us in Christ's name. Amen.